through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Diana. I think you all know my preference is to um, preach without notes and move around, but sometimes I just have information here that it's just easier if I stay put. I'm thinking about how can I, how can I be more mobile when I have this, this information, but I just want to start by another honest moment. I had lots of them last week, but this one is much more uh, low-key, I promise. Uh, it's just interesting, just as a behind-the-curtain moment like Wizard of Oz. Every, every pastor that I know and everything I've learned about preaching, and you know, I had to read certain um, preaching books for school, and I actually had to take two preaching classes uh, from the two different seminaries that I've been a part of. Uh, and then I've read several on my own, and every single preaching book that I uh, read or thing that I learned about preaching, these are the things you want to do in preaching, and I'm guessing that this is what you like in preaching. You want it to be, I, and I want this as well, keep in mind, memorable, uh, impactful, you know, like, well, that was, a power, that was powerful, um, biblical, and practical. Pretty fair, right? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's my goal every week. And then I'm also trying to say, you know, what, what, how does this word impact Diana, Larry and Diana, and how does it impact uh, Nathan and Alexis, and how does this... Uh, impact the whole Klinkner family and Deb and Garnan, you know, and so that's what's going on in my mind. Uh, and then this week, something pretty amazing happened. Somebody brought me an article, and typically, if um, people send me an article, you know, I'm a little cautious because everybody's got their own views. But what was amazing about this was actually two different people presented this article to me, and they're from what I would assume as two different sides of the political spectrum. And so that was really piqued my interest. You know, it's not very often that that happens. And the article, uh, I printed off and I, I put some copies on the table in the narthex if, if you're interested in it. You can take some and we might run out and if that's the case, uh, you can look it up online or ask me and I'll print it off, uh, print off some more copies for you. It's from the Atlantic and I don't know anything about the Atlantic and their political background, but... Um, they wrote this article that's called The Evangelical Church 
is breaking itself apart. And what stood out to me is that um, there are quotes from very prominent evangelical pastors and writers, really uh, big-time leaders in the church world, have quotes throughout this uh, article. So that, to me, got my attention right away. Uh, and I'll confess that I haven't read the entire article yet, but I, I scanned it because I, what was presented to me was this particular piece of the article that I would actually just like to read to you. Uh, keeping in mind um, what I just said about my approach to preaching. You know, I want it to be biblical, I want it to be memorable, impactful, uh, and I want you to take something away, you know, saying like, I, I can really feel empowered now. This is a portion of the article. It says, what we're seeing in churches is a massive discipleship failure. Uh, discipleship is simply following Jesus, learning how Jesus wants us to live our life, and then equipping you to do that. And it's caused by a massive catechesis failure, which catechesis is like your structured learning, the things that we want to make sure that every church believer knows and understands. The evangelical church in the U.S. over the last five decades has failed over the last five decades, has failed to form adherence into disciples. Now, let me just pause for a minute and say that when I became a Christian uh, 10 years ago, this was the most, I think this was the most shocking thing to me is because I, I was nurtured in a group of really you know, passionate disciples, people who, all the things I talk about, they, they gave their entire life to following Jesus, and that's what tr transformed my life. And so I just assumed that that was prevalent in every church and that just about everybody who went to church would do that same thing. And I've, I've discovered this, and I've been noticing, like, there's just something that's not connecting uh, in the church. And that's really what fuels all of my passion, okay, is to try and reclaim some of these things that they're talking about. And what this article goes on to say is not only has the church failed to uh, form disciples, it says culture catechizes. Culture catechizes, meaning that the culture teaches you, teaches you things uh, about how to live and what should be important. It says culture teaches us what matters and what views we should take about what matters. Our current political culture has multiple technologies and platforms for catechizing, for teaching you what it wants to teach you. Television, radio, Facebook, Twitter, and podcasts. People who want to be connected to their, this says political tribe, but I would say any tribe, uh, the people they, that they that think like them, the people that they think are on their side, they can subject themselves to its catechesis, to its teaching, all day long, every single day, hour after hour. On the flip side, the article says, many churches aren't interested in catechesis at all. And that's what I've noticed, is that, uh, small, like small group, for example, and the Alpha program, and uh, Walk to Emmaus Spiritual Retreat, actually encounter resistance to that, you know? And I, I talk to you about that. that, that that's just interesting to me. Uh, churches instead focus on entertainment, because entertainment is what keeps people in the seats and coins in the offering plate. But even those pastors who are really committed to catechesis, which I would hope you would say is me, <laughs> I don't call it catechesis, but even those pastors who are really committed to, to catechesis get to spend, and this is key, listen to this, 
get to spend, on average, less than an hour a week teaching their people. The sermons are short. Well, some people's sermons are short. (laughs) And only some churchgoers attend adult education classes, and even fewer attend Bible study and small group. Cable news, however, is always on. So if people are getting one kind of catechesis for half an hour per week, and another for dozens of hours per week, which one do you think is going to win out? And that to me, friends, was just like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that was even before, that was even before the last couple of years, I just thought, hey, here's the, other, here's the other challenge, is that the average Methodist, they say a good Methodist nowadays comes to church once a month. So... <laughs> So there are times where I say, like, um, this is a message that I, I hope everybody in the church can hear because I feel it's so important. And then, you know, a third of the congregation is there. And it might be a different third the next week and a different third the next week. All the while, you know, we have the capacity to just subject ourselves to whatever it is that we want to learn and, and really believe and, and put our energy into now, I want to I lighten this a little bit. <laughs> and so hear me out for um, a moment of confession. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> one, of the shows, one of the shows that Gina and I like to watch has a lot of great assets to it, okay? Uh, we watched it. We're caught up. We watched all five seasons, and that's as many as you can watch on Netflix. I like it because it's historical. It's set between World War I and World War Two, you're right in that kind of zone uh, over the course of many years. It's historical. It's very well written. Um, it draws you in. All the things I would like in a sermon. <laughs> uh, and the characters are really, really good. And the acting is incredible, especially the lead actor. But here's a confession. Are you ready? It's incredibly violent. Sorry. Sorry, it's true. It's very violent. Not the whole episode, not every episode, but at times it's very violent. So that's my confession, okay? Now here's the reason that I'm bringing it up. I have reasons for wanting to watch that show. But I'm also troubled after I watch it. You know why? It's because we watch the show and we uh, finish up and we, we go up for bed and I'm brushing my teeth. You know what I'm thinking about? That show. Thinking about that show. You know, I wake up the next morning and I'm getting ready for the day. I'm making coffee. You know, I'm, I'm hanging out with the girls. You know what I'm thinking about? That show. That show. And so I wanted to confess that to you to illustrate the importance and, and just from my own firsthand experience of what goes into our minds is really what shapes us. Even if it's just what we think about, because if we're thinking about that thing, and this is what I'm really sensitive to, uh, if we're thinking about that, if I'm thinking about that show, and it's not always, I'm not thinking about the violence all the time, you know, but I'm just thinking about that show. Uh, if we're thinking about that, then, well, it's pretty tough to be, you know, talking with God or, <laughs> you know, praying or um, meditating on a piece of scripture that we might have read or even 
or even meditating on uh, some truth that you learned in worship. You know, like, oh, that was a really good take-home point. As soon as you go and turn on some other media, it's going to get in there, and that's what's going to start, what you're going to start thinking about. And so I, I really thought that was interesting, the timing of the article that was presented to me by you know, people on different sides of the spectrum and really illustrating this truth. And what I wanted to do is to say, Maybe there's a different way that we can approach these takeaways. You know, every week I try to give you a takeaway for this is what you can do. This is what you can do. I'll say, you know, read some more scripture. It always comes down to like this. Read some more scripture. <laughs> Sit in silence with God. Pray. And, you know, be compassionate. Be nice to people. You know, it's basically the general categories of the takeaways. But I know that, if, especially the group that's here, you're probably already, most of you probably already read as much scripture as you can which differs for all of us. You might have a devotional and you're just doing everything you can. You might pray regularly throughout the day. All the things. So either you feel like I can't do that or you might feel like um, kind of guilty. Like I, I addressed that last week that you feel like, oh gosh, Pastor Chad's just always railing on me and I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not good enough. And I never, I never want you to feel that way. And any time I speak a, like a, a challenging word, a convicting word, it is definitely for a purpose. Like a coach that's saying, okay, i got to get this team fired up. That's why I take that approach sometimes. But this is what I'd like to suggest to you this time. When we look at uh, Paul saying the renewing of your mind, it's a, it's a critical piece of who we are as a church, who we are as Christians, that we're continually letting God's word soak into our bones so that when we encounter situations throughout the day, our first instinct is to think about what God says rather than whatever. You know, this isn't even about politics. I'm just saying whatever. Or the things that bring us joy in the day are based upon what God says rather than say what time the Vikings play. <laughs> There's an even more lighthearted thing, like whatever we immerse, immerse ourselves in, that's what we end up thinking about, and it shapes our habits, it shapes our passions, it shapes our values. And so Paul says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, taking in Scripture and God's Word, but I know that you're already probably doing that, or you're already at least giving it your best so what I want to suggest is maybe we should pay more attention to this part where Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. And when we think about that, it's simply saying, pay attention to what you're letting into your mind in the first place. And if you're going to expose yourself to things like a violent show, for example, Try to pay attention to what in particular it's doing to you. What is it doing to your soul? What is it doing to your understanding of God's presence with you? He's a risen Lord, present to you by the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So if, if you're taking in something into your mind and it's totally distracting you from God's presence with you and the life that God wants to live with you in every moment, no matter where you are, then you should at least just pay attention to that. Because 
Scripture also tells us that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. So we can't just, what I'm not suggesting is that you just, you know, find a room in your house and board up the doors and read Scripture all day. <laughs> you know? We have to interact with the world. Uh, we have to know what's going on, you know, like we have, I, actually it's really good to, to read stuff that's not in our normal lane, to understand people who are different from us so that we can try to move towards compassion for them. Because otherwise, you know, we get ideas about other people. This happens to me all the time. I'll make another confession that I get an idea about somebody else, about what they're thinking or um, what they value. And most of the time, it's completely wrong. <laughs> right? But that's just our, our analytical minds uh, do that sort of thing. So our primary commitment has to be to let God's word soak in to our hearts. Just even the littlest piece. So maybe you write something down that stood out to you in, within, from within the worship service. Or when I read scripture in the morning, I have a little tiny notebook, actually one of those little thriving books, and I write down the verses that stood out to me that day. That I felt like, oh, that was a timely word that God just gave me. And I write it down and I'm trying to get in the habit of putting it in my pocket. So that rather than pulling out my phone to maybe check the news or, you know, listen to a podcast, I pull out that little booklet and, you know, just reflect upon those words. And it's a habit that we build in. But first, the first thing we have to do is to say what, what percentage of our thoughts are going to something other than God and try and just turn that, turn that back a little bit. You know, turn it to maybe I'm going to do less of podcasts even podcasts that are about God, because <laughs> it's just more and more information. You know, what, what we need is not necessarily information. What we need, what, what discipleship is about, is not just learning more about God. It's, it's living by this reality that Jesus is present with us right here, right now. So we can feel peace. We can feel confidence. We can feel secure. We can feel courage. And then we can live with compassion and generosity even to, in a world that you know, we don't see much of that. And actually, that's what I would say is precisely what's inspiring about Christianity is that we begin to live in a way that's different. And that's what Paul goes on to say. And this is why, this is, this is why these truths are so important, friends. It starts with, don't be conformed to this world and allow your minds to be renewed based upon God's word. And then it goes on to, to describe this reality that we, we all have probably heard before if you've been in church or in Sunday school, it says, for in, one for in one body we have many members. So we're the body of Christ, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. And we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And then he goes on to describe the different gifts. So if we're supposed to function as a church... If we're supposed to really be impactful um, for, first of all, for ourselves and for our church community and our community beyond, we have to know, like, okay, well, Dean is different from me. Dean, your, your gifts are different than mine, and Linda's gifts are different than Dean's and mine. So we have to figure that out. But the first, the first step in that process is to understand what we're putting into our minds and try to put more of God's word, God's truth into our mind and to dwell on those things so that we can discern God's will and how God views us 
so that then we can more fully be a member of this church family. This, we're, the, we're the body of Christ. We're the ones who carry out God's purpose for this community and as far as God would have us go. Isn't that incredible? So just, you know, last week I said, even you sitting in silence, Deb, you're actually making an impact on the world around you. It may not feel like it, but it's sort of like planting a, a fruit tree. Right? You plant the fruit tree, and eventually it's going to provide fruit. But if you say, well, I just don't see any fruit. I want to get some more fruit. You've got to nurture that tree, Deb. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen overnight. I know Deb can handle me picking on her. Right, Deb? <laughs> so that's what a Christian community really is. As we're discerning God's will together, we're knowing our purpose, our giftedness, our unique contribution. And that's the first step is to be super intentional and cautious about what we're putting in and slowly dwell more in God's word and God's presence and God's love more than anything else. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, says it like this later as he's in prison, remember. So he could be thinking about all sorts of things as he's in prison. He could be having regret. He could be bitter. He could be wondering when he's going to get out, but he says instead at the end of Philippians, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, which we know is Christ, think about these things. And then keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And this is the payoff. And the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that really what we're all looking for at the end of the day? I'll tell you, in my preaching and in anything that I communicate, my goal is to be more like um, a guy named Bernard of Clairvaux. He's really uh, a famous saint in the history of the church. He has tremendous writings. And I'll maybe quote some of his writings in the future. But what struck me as I read one of his books that was a collection of his sermons is this guy is just, every sentence is rich with Scripture. It's just dripping with Scripture. So it's, it's either a direct quote or what, what the really good ones, they just draw metaphors and words without making the direct quote. And like their words are basically like God's words pulled from Scripture. But in order to get to that place, it has to, he, he has to internalize it to such a degree that it's like fused with his soul. And that's, that's just like an, an incredible example uh, that I, that, that's like my goal in preaching is that's how I want to be one day. It'll probably be maybe 50 years from now if I'm still alive, right? <laughs> yeah, and so this is really important though about Bernard of Clairvaux because again, we can feel guilt and shame like, well, gosh, he's a super saint and I'm, you know, I'm just me. You know, that's what I say to myself. But Bernard of Clairvaux was also the one who, uh, who persuaded Christians to go on the Crusades. He actually got up and made speeches uh, saying, we need to go and take charge. And, and you know, I, I didn't do research on the exact uh, history of the Crusades, but basically a really horrific time for Christianity that keeps a lot of people uh, from believing in God because they say, well, look at the Crusades, look at the massacre that Christians carried out. 
And they, it keeps them from believing. I've, I've, people told me that directly that are not Christians. So this guy that's the most amazing, <laughs> considered to be one of the most amazing preachers and just uh, writers, orators, whatever, also committed, you know, he, he was the one who, who convinced the church to go and do that. He was asked by one of the corrupt popes of the time, will you get up and give a rousing sermon of why God says we should do this? So see, this is a problem of living in a sinful world. That God can do great things through us, but we can also, you know, make mistakes because we're human. But what matters, I think, to God is what's important to us. What are our values? What are our intentions every day when we get up and and live our lives? And, And what are we letting be the primary motivator of our hearts? I'm not going to watch that show again until the next season comes out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I really like the show. You know, judge me if you want. But I feel like I actually learned things from that show that, that helped me to be better at who I am and how I'm, I'm trying to live my life. Uh, and I think God understands that. And there are other things that I expose myself to that um, are along the same line. But the difference is, is that as I watch, I'm paying attention to how is this impacting me? And I'm, I'm also trying to make sure that my primary focus throughout the day is God's presence, God's word, and God's will for my life. It's a journey, friends, that I invite you to join me in, to just start by paying super close attention to whatever it is that you're letting in. Sometimes it might even be conversation. You know, just what am I letting in? What do I find myself thinking more about? And then try to find moments where you can say, Lord, help me to see what you want me to see. Help me to take in what you want me to take in. And help me to dwell on your word so that I can be like a plant or like a tree planted by the river that bears fruit in its season and never withers. Amen. I don't have any reflection questions for you today, uh, so I'll just uh, invite you to reflect on whatever stood out to you 